Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful gathered here this day. Jesus, be our teacher and our shepherd. Give us words that bring us flourishing life and hope and courage in the living of our days, that we may offer who we are and all that we can to the work and ministry of your love and your kingdom here in this place and wherever we may be. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated, won't you? Well, let me begin by saying what a joy it is for me to be gathered with the saints of God on this All Saints Sunday here at the Church of the Incarnation. I don't know if you often think of yourself that way, but the New Testament calls you saints. And so today you need to put on your sainthood in all its full display. But being a saint is a part of the joy of the gospel, and we'll speak to that in a minute. But I also want to say that I've been here uh, maybe three or four years ago. I came and supplied for Father Tom, and uh, I know this place to be a a wonderful community of followers of Christ, and uh, your work is well known, and I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that the best days are ahead of you. Um, You had a wonderful, wonderful rector, Tom, and he did a great job for you all, and what a gift he was to you. But now God is getting ready to surprise you with an even wonderful uh, shepherd coming your way. And so hold on to hope, pray, have faith, have courage and resilience as a community of faith, because God does not abandon his people. Amen? Amen. 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 So, All Saints Sunday, we celebrate the saints because they are so important to our understanding of who Jesus is. Um, I was talking with my brother friend back there, uh, who's taking some studies at Neshota House. And Neshota House uh, was a seminary that I graduated from back in 1980, um, when I was a young pup. And one of my professors there was the 100th Archbishop of Canterbury. Uh, Michael Ramsey, he was once asked this question, who is a saint? What is a saint? And his response was, in a very clear and powerful way, but very succinctly, he said, a saint is someone who has the capacity to make God real. And I always loved that definition Because God is real to begin with, but it's through human lives that are following Christ that he is made real for others to see and to know and to love. I mean, if you think about your own spiritual journey, you have your personal saints in your life, people who have been compelling to you and have made credible the reality of Jesus Christ. And because of that credibility that you saw in their lives... And their love for you and their witness to you, you began to recognize your own relationship that God was bringing into existence to know him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you have saints. There are great saints of the church. And you personally are called to be a saint. Now we come to the Gospel of Matthew today. It's where I want to kind of keep my focus and grounding. And we hear this magnificent 
opening sermon of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the majestic place where Jesus brings his most powerful and authoritative teaching in the New Testament. And he begins by kind of a prelude, the Beatitudes, but he's really trying to answer a question for us. And the question is this, who has the good life? What does a flourishing life look like? What is the good life that people hunger for and thirst for all the time? Who has the blessed life? That word blessed, 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 blessed. Who has that? What does that look like? Well, our culture has some answers about what the good life is. I came across this description just today. Think about it for a minute. Blessed are the rich, for they own the best stuff. (laughs) Blessed are the sexy and the glamorous, for everyone desires them. Blessed are the powerful, for they shall control the kingdoms of the earth. Blessed are those who get everything they ever wanted, because they alone will be satisfied. Blessed are those who are famous when you're pursued and stalked by the paparazzi. Rejoice and be glad, and your reward will be eternal branding on your Instagram and Twitter. (laughs) For in the same way they chased and trolled the influencers and celebrities before you. That's not quite what we're talking about, is it? Money, beauty, power, and achievement. The culture might hold those things in esteem. We think if only we had had them, or one of them, we'd be really, really happy and blessed and living the good life. But I want you to understand that when Jesus announces these blessings, he is subverting, he's contradicting the general prevailing assumptions that human beings have of what the good life is. And he says words like this, blessed, favored, Flourishing are you if you are poor in spirit. Why? Not because of the condition of being poor in spirit. Why? Because, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven belongs to you. That's where the blessing is. That's where the flourishing of life is. That's where the kingdom of God begins to be recognized as the greatest life. That we can ever have. And so Jesus was always pulling the rug out from the assumptions that people had. This is the way that Jesus teaches. So this is great inversion, if you will. You know, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Over and over again, Jesus speaks about this great inversion of the kingdom of God. And so we need to back up just a second here, and I want to read something to you about Jesus' inaugural sermon and his definition of what the gospel is. In chapter 4 of the gospel of Matthew, Jesus is coming out of the wilderness temptations, filled with the Spirit, ready to inaugurate and begin his ministry. And the first words that he says in his preaching are these. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, rethink the way that you're looking at life. How is it with your life? Reconsider 
get a new understanding, a new appreciation of what the good life is or what life is really all about. Why? Because there is a new fact that is now available to you. What is that new fact? The rule, the reign, the immediate presence and love and grace and power of God is available to you by placing your confidence and trust in me. That was a radical message that Jesus preached. And isn't it interesting that wherever he went, he called this the gospel. And he went out through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming what? The gospel of the forgiveness of sins? Yes, that's included. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, proclaiming the gospel of the availability of the reign of God, the kingdom of God. Proclaiming the kingdom of God. Why? Because it's in the kingdom where forgiveness is found. It's in the kingdom where new life is found. It's in the kingdom where true, deep, and profound well-being can be known. Not in the things that we achieve or do, although that's important, but the reign and rule of God. So the gospel of this gracious reign lies at the heart of everything Jesus is saying. And he's saying to live the blessed life, a life of a saint, a flourishing life, is to know in growing awareness day by day, year by year, that you are living from another world. You're living from another source. And that is God, God's reign, God's kingdom, God's action. And it's available to you now. It's not far away and far off. It's right here now and will be complete one day. But we can begin to know it and experience it. That's what a saint is. Someone who lives from that landscape, that reality. I love this line that I came across when I was in Scotland on sabbatical and I I was at Durham Cathedral and I went into the bookshop there and I'll never forget it. It's something that just grabbed me. I really feel like God spoke to me in a deep way. I was looking in the book and another Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, wrote these words. He said, there is another world and it is found in this one. So Jesus says, blessed are you who are poor in spirit, not because you're poor in spirit, but because the kingdom is available to you. Jesus is saying, whoever wants to come into the kingdom can walk right into it. Doesn't matter what your condition is. People might think you're totally unblessable. I don't know what your list of unblessables may be, but Jesus didn't have any. He welcomed people and allowed them to walk into the kingdom of God. And then he called them to follow him. Okay, I want to kind of move and transition now to just give you what I might call three threads. Three threads that I want to weave together that I think are at the heart of what it means to grow as a saint and to live as a saint. And this would be by way of encouragement to you and perhaps bring back to remembrance or to have a more vivid understanding once again of what it means to be a saint. For all the saints, right? For all the saints. So this would be the first. The saints make this real by recognizing that there is another kind of life available to them. If you wanted a transition or a description of that word kingdom of heaven, because we don't live in a kingdom necessarily, I would state it this way. 
Jesus made available another kind of life. Everywhere he went, he preached about life, didn't he? I've come that you might have what? Life and have it more abundantly. There is an eternal quality and kind of life that is in session right now. And that you have eternal life within you, not just your biological life, your physicality, but you have an eternal reality already indwelling you. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Eternity is already at work within you. And this life is a life that brings the deepest blessing, the deepest flourishing, the deepest joys and peace that we can know in our existential reality here on this earth. Another kind of life. I remember a wonderful way in which I saw this. I visited Haiti in 1999. It was on a mission trip. And uh, I went to a little town called Torbeck, and there was an Episcopal church there, St. Paul's in Torbeck. And there was a little boy who lived not far from the church house, church grounds where we were staying. And he would come over every morning, and he had a little drum. And it was his, I mean, it was his gold. It was just his, I mean, he loved this drum, right? And he would come over about 6.30 in the morning, and he would come into the compound and he would start going like this to wake us up and get going for the day. His name was Wesley. He's probably about eight years old. And here I am in the middle of third world country with folks who have literally nothing. And this little boy is so filled with joy that he loves to wake people up to the kingdom of God every day. He was a little Christian. He was a Christian. And he was filled with flourishing. And this is what Jesus is saying. Another kind of life is available. It doesn't matter what condition you may have, what condition you may be in. The kingdom is available. Second thread. Not only do saints find and seek another kind of life, but... They also seek a transformed life. This life is about being changed. We say that saints are holy ones. I don't know how that word holiness lands for you. But generally in our culture, when you say holiness, you want to run. People want to run. Because their idea of holiness is basically external behavior. In other words, you know, you, you, you just don't dress like that. You don't do this. You don't do that. These external behaviors about what holiness looks like. I remember again when I was in seminary, and I did have some hair back then, but it wasn't long. And I went to a, a Christian bookstore, and I didn't know that it was an independent Baptist uh, bookstore. And it, I don't have anything against Baptists, but it was an independent Baptist bookstore. And this young guy comes up to me, and he said, uh, why are you here? And I said, well, I'm just looking at your bookstore. I, I, I'm a student over at Neshota House. And that about it did it right there. And then, and then he said, do you students always wear such long hair? And I, I'm telling you, it wasn't long. It's just a regular haircut. You see, we get so caught up in these kinds of definitions of what a saint looks like that people don't want to have anything to do with it. No, thank you. That's not what a transformed life is all about. When we come into our relationship and friendship with God, we begin a journey of transformation. 
whereby we begin to be changed from the inside out. That's the transformation that Jesus was speaking about, where we take on the characteristics of Jesus, his compassion, his kindness, his hope, his faith, his courage, his love, the fruit of the Spirit. That's how we begin to recognize that our lives are being changed. We need to be changed from the inside out, and that can only happen as we walk with him and learn from him in the reign of God. We begin to be apprentices of Jesus, right? That's what a disciple is. A student, an apprentice, learning from him how to lead our lives as if he were leading us. In other words, Jesus wants us to look at our relationships, our thinking, our thoughts, our ideas, our work, everything that we are and can be and say, this is where Christ is. I want to learn how to lead my life as he would lead it. If he were me. That's the journey. To become fully human. Deeply Christ-like. And fully alive. Right? The glory of God is a human being fully alive. That's flourishing. That's to be a saint. Finally. Not only do we discover a new kind of life. When we begin to follow Christ. Not only do we embark on this journey of inward change and transformation which goes throughout our lives, finally we come to the reality that to be a saint is to recognize that we are living an indestructible life. Indestructible. What do I mean by that? Well, listen to these words that come from our lesson from Revelation. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne, the throne, the reality of the kingdom, will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. In other words, we make the love of God real in a context of suffering and loss and difficulty, heartache, heartbreak. Look at the world in which we are living, the context And yet we are called to recognize that the reality of the kingdom is an indestructible life and that we already are beginning to live eternally. I once heard Trevor Hudson, wonderful spiritual director and a friend of mine from South Africa, say these words. He said, remember that whenever you are gathered together in worship, or you're preaching or teaching, but gathered together in worship, that everyone present is sitting next to their own pool of tears. And yet, and yet, and yet, even though we struggle, even though there are days of suffering and sadness and broken hearts, Jesus announced the availability of the kingdom. Even in those circumstances, we find his peace and his presence and his joy and his sufficiency. So, my dear friends, the only real sadness, said Leon Bloy, the only real failure, the only great tragedy in life 
is to have never become a saint. So praise God for your sainthood. Praise God for the saints at the Church of the Incarnation. You have work to do. And that is to continue to be an apprentice of Jesus so that the light and the love and the mystery and the power and the wonder of the presence of the kingdom is flowing out of your life to others. And that's how you live a blessed life. Amen. Amen.